Hour to the game, the game after work. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Phone number is 537-1350. Get to my uh, top 10 list here in uh, just a moment. Troy mentioned it uh, yeah, being hot this week. I heard that in Phoenix. They have a record now, a record number of days in a row. It's been at least 110. And I heard a report that it is so hot that uh, the lights on cars are melting. How hot is it? Oh, sorry. Uh, my buddy in El Paso is stating today it got near 110 again. They've had 32 straight days of 110 degrees. Jeez The first time yeah. that it may come under 110 for a high would be Sunday. What's the humidity in El Paso? Pretty yeah, that, bad? That, that, that's another it No, it's dry because okay. that's the desert. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But still. We actually have a former resident of El Paso, Texas, that works here at the radio station. Bernie. Oh. The guy I went to college yeah, with. okay. Used to live in El Paso. Anyway. All right. Um, get to my top ten list here in a second. I also wanted to bring up uh, today was um, the Big 12 at Rucker Park in uh, in New York City doing a camp for kids. Both K-State's Jerome Tang and Jeff Mitty there, along with some players. And saw Naquan Tomlin. Of course, Naquan would be there. He's from Harlem, New York. Also, it just wouldn't be K-State in NYC without Mr. New York City. It had appeared, like, I'm just kind of trying to put the clues together. And I saw a video, there's a member of the media that was there to capture this. And it was Marquise at the very tail end of him approaching Mark, uh, apart, uh, approaching Drum Tang. Gets a big hug from Drum Tang and then from Dream Dowling. And it's like, I wonder if Marquise tried to surprise him. Because he just got done with Summer League. And I, you would have to tell me, Troy, I don't know what the you know Rooks or the guys that took part in summer league like are they off the hook now for a little while after summer league to a little bit rest up yeah uh because you're in the per se off season at this point before training camp starts yeah if if you uh if you follow dream dowling on any of the of the his social medias he's been capturing some of those moments earlier today putting them on instagram putting them on twitter all them hanging out eating food and just you know shooting the breeze Marquise uh, got tapped on the shoulder by Drum Tang. He's like, hey, take it easy, coach. I just got a tattoo. What if coach does? Give him, gives him a love tap. Gives him a love tap on the old shoulder, just letting him know he loves him. That's all that was going on. Plus, uh, Jeff Mitty was there. I saw a video of Jeff Mitty and uh, Drum Tang doing a, a drill together, working on some dribbling with some little kids. And, in fact, Mitty had uh, sent out a tweet early today before all of the activity got underway, just a couple of shots of Rucker Park itself. And also of Times Square. I'm like, Coach Mitty, don't be such a tourist. (laughs) (laughs) Literally anywhere in NYC is more interesting, in my opinion, uh, than Times Square. just has a bunch of bright TVs with advertisements on it. I suppose if you want to go look at the New Year Ball, it's it's up there year-round. You can go look at that, the bright 2023. It's up there. For crying out loud. I always recommend if first time if you're going to New York City, which I'm sure for many, it's definitely not his first time. Um, but if you're going, it's your first time, just get Times Square out of the way, go out there, just make sure it's not on a Saturday or Friday night. Saturday, Friday night, 
you can't walk. It's packed. Rockefeller Center is right next door. Madison Square Garden, Empire State Building is within walking distance. Central Park, don't go at night, but Central Park, just to the north, about eight or nine blocks, definitely in walking distance. So many better things in walking distance of Times Square. And the food, the food, way better outside of Times Square. You're going to get a lot of, uh, of course, fast food and chain restaurants um, in Times Square. As a matter of fact, in Rockefeller Center, there's like an underground strip mall that you got to check out. There's like a Gucci store down there. There's a lot of good food, sandwiches and stuff, pizza. It's good stuff. All right. By the way, the the wardrobe as well for the Rucker Park stuff. Had like the Big 12, Big 12 in the park, and the Rucker Park underneath it. It's a clean look, clean logo. This won't be the first time they're in Rucker Park. This will be, I think, I hope, a yearly thing. This is great work by the Big 12. Absolutely. Much more of an impactful event than, oh, say, moving the Big Ten tournament there. And it was clearly a, a great turnout. Mm-hmm. Great turnout for the campers, the the kids actually uh, participating. And, of course, with all the coaches in attendance there as well, uh, representing the Big 12. All right, let's get to my top 10 list, my top 10 list this week. And I really do it in the second hour. Decided to do it at 510 because of, uh, you know, once I got the thought going and I got a couple of uh, quarterbacks put in my list, I was like, geez, this is harder than I thought it would be. This is a real uh, brain teaser on where exactly I'd ranked all these quarterbacks. I kept Will Howard out of it because obviously he's number one. Number one Big 12 champion quarterback in Will Howard returning. So I ranked everybody else. Not all quarterbacks will obviously make the list now that there's 14 teams. And I went with projected starting quarterbacks for week one and 10 through one, my top quarterbacks for the Big 12 without Will Howard in the list. So here we go. Number 10. Number 10, I'm going to go with Iowa State's Hunter Deckers, who threw it for over you know 3,000 yards last year, 19 touchdowns, four interceptions. You know, I think I saw improvement out of him as the year went on. Made too many mistakes, of course, with the passing. 14 interceptions is way too many. But here's also the deal. I'm not even sure if he's going to play. I'm not even sure he's going to be the starting quarterback. There's a quarterback battle going on in Ames, Iowa. That will go through fall practice. And plus, like, the gambling stuff. Could Underdeckers be involved with that? I don't know. We'll find out some other time. Number nine. Number nine is TCU's Chandler Morris. Now, I like to keep in mind that he was supposed to be the starting quarterback, and he did play some against Colorado. He gets hurt. Max Duggan takes over for the rest of the year, and Max Duggan is a runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. Came out of nowhere and exceeded multiple expectations. Lost the Big 12 championship game, lost the national title game, but a hell of a season. Now, outside of that Colorado game, I mean, Chandler Morris had some heroics in a couple of games, especially the game against Baylor in 2021. But before his injury against Colorado this past year, threw for 111 yards, he was just 5 for 11. Not a big guy either. Um, Glimpses of good things, but he also looked lost at times. I actually went back and watched uh, some highlights from that game and watched some of the – just some of that game in general. And he – 
after what Max Duggan had, I'm like, what did Sonny Dykes see in Chandler Morris before Max Duggan and all this improvement? But, you know, Chandler Morris has potential. So I'm going to put him at nine. Number eight. Speaking of potential, and I've I've seen it firsthand, I think he is very talented, just needs to cool it off on a couple of issues, and that's Houston's Donovan Smith. He's a transfer from Texas Tech. He started the K-State game, and he is a legitimate dual-threat guy. And a dual-threat will be a common theme when it comes to Big 12 quarterbacks. He's got great size, 6'5", 230, big frame. Big frame. Um, and... Unfortunately, for his first five games, I mean, he just he had issues with interceptions, turning over the football. He had eight interceptions, but you know, he also scored the ball a decent amount. He ran in four touchdowns. He threw the ball for twelve touchdowns in those first five games for over fourteen hundred yards. So it's kind of the same thing I've said earlier: clean up some of the mistakes, and he could be a really solid quarterback this. Next. Number seven. Number seven, I'm going to go to BYU in uh, Keaton Slovis. Uh, not the same guy since he was a freshman at USC. Played three years at USC. Uh, and then he had a year at Pitt. And in those three seasons with the Trojans, he had 58 touchdowns. But it was that first year where he was, was pretty solid. Over 3,500 yards passing and 30 touchdowns. Well... To me, I think there's actually, like, it feels like there's a little bit of a comparison to, like, Adrian Martinez because he's going to arrive in Provo with a lot of interceptions in his career, 33. But now he has a new home. Does a new home make an impact like it did for Adrian Martinez and not turn over the football? Adrian, when he got to K-State, how many turnovers, how many uh, interceptions, rather, did he have here at K-State in his time? One. He had one, and a lot of people were worried that it was going to be a lot more than one, and it wasn't. Number six. Number six, Tyler Shuck of Texas Tech. I'm, I'm high on Texas Tech this year, and a lot of that, of course, will be determined on how good Tyler Shuck is. If he's good, he can be top three quarterback in the Big 12 good because he's going to have a lot of talent around him. His issue is he's had struggles of staying healthy. In two seasons, he has played just 11 games. But I'm, I was very encouraged by how Texas Tech finished the season, and that was behind Tyler Shuck. Four straight wins. They beat Oklahoma. In that OU game, he threw for over 400 yards. In the bowl game against Mississippi State, he threw for over 350, three touchdowns. And by the way, he also ran the ball 25 times in that game against Mississippi State and scored twice. He put the team on his back in that game. I'm really encouraged by that. But he also has some still to prove, and that's include consistency, not only playing the game, but just staying healthy. Can he remain mostly healthy throughout the year enough to play a full season? We'll find out. Number five. Man, I could be crazy for this. But I'm still bought in into the 2012 Blake Shapin. Baylor's Blake Shapin is my number five. Sophomore slump was his theme in 2022. Just under 28. 
100 yards passing, eight touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I mean, that's that's not poor numbers. It's pretty decent numbers, but it was a letdown to what people projected him to be in 2022. A lot of people thought, and for a moment, myself included, that he could be the best quarterback in the Big 12 in 2022, and he just wasn't that. But he has already won the job over Mississippi State transfer Sawyer Robertson. And Dave Aranda has finally, I mean, didn't do it a year ago, has embraced the transfer portal. And has used the portal to reload the offense. And the running game is looking really good. Between Richard Reese and Dominic Richardson. But, you know, the load they carry is going to be, I think, is going to be pretty big. But for the rest that Blake Shapin is going to put on his shoulders, has to perform. And I see a bounce-back year for Blake Shapin. Now, the rest of the four were no doubter to me who was going to be in my top four, but the order was in question. Number four. Number four is UCF's John Rice Plumley. Plumley. I'm high on him. I'm a fan. He's a former wide receiver turned quarterback. And honestly... At, when it's all said and done, I would not be surprised if he turns out to be the best dual-threat quarterback in the Big 12 this season. Because game in, game out, he has been said to be the quickest player on the field when he plays. 14 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 2,500 yards passing last year, but he is a killer on the ground. Over 800 yards and 11 touchdowns last year for the Knights. He was really at times unstoppable. I mean, if you really tally up everything he provided for the offense, 25 touchdowns, over 3,000 total yards, he can be a major impact player in the Big 12 this year. And guess what? Out of the gate, his first opponent, K-State in Manhattan, Kansas. Number three. On my list of quarterbacks for the Big 12 in 2023, my top 10 quarterbacks without Will Howard in the uh, in the list, Quinn Ewers of Texas. You know, it makes me wonder, like, what if he didn't get hurt in the Alabama game and then missed three games? Would he have a better season for where I'd put him higher than three? Threw for over 2,100 yards, 15 touchdowns, six interceptions. Six of those INTs were in one game. He had a bad game against Oklahoma State. His his passing percentage wasn't, you know, ideal. 58% should be better than that. But also, he wasn't the star on the offensive side of the football. That was B. John Robinson. Well, B. John's gone. Top two running backs from Texas last year are gone. He's going to have to do more himself. And on top of that, he actually has quite a bit of buzz for the draft in 2024 because he is an elite passer, or he can be an elite passer. How elite can he be? You know, I got to put him at number three because I think he will be better than last year. He'll be a huge part of why Texas was voted to finish first place in the Big 12. And there's a lot of people, I, I, I shouldn't say a lot of people, there are national writers that feel as he is a Heisman candidate heading into the 2023 season. Number two. Jalen Daniels for the Kansas Jayhawks. I am higher on him than a lot of people around here, for sure. 
I respect his talent. Over 2,400 yards passing. He had 25 total touchdowns, 18 of those passing. He played, what, eight and a half games, really, the nine. He got hurt in the first half against TCU. Let me go ahead and tell you who my number one is, and this is no number one. You know, no shocker. It's Oklahoma's Dylan Gabriel. Pro Football Focus's best passer rating in 2023, over 3,100 yards, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions. I had to put Dylan Gabriel past Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels obviously is a more of a dual threat guy, but to me there was a couple of big differences. And that is Dylan Gabriel, when it comes to being the quarterback, as in a throwing quarterback, making some big plays with the arm, Dylan Gabriel is just better than Jalen Daniels. Dylan Gabriel has what the pros are looking for. The elite arm, getting out of the pocket, being smart with the football and making plays downfield accurately with a strong arm. Jalen Daniels is very talented. It's just not the elite arm type of talent. And also, to be honest with you, I thought Jalen, I think he looks to scramble too much and, and looks to get out of the pocket a little bit too early. And will also hang on to the football a little too much. One look and done? One look and done is in, gives up on a wide receiver and starts moving? Yeah. Could be the issue. Well, I remember as well, I mean, I think it was Lance Leipold that did say that he, he tends to hang on to the ball too much. And he does. But I, you know, I, I don't want to take away from his talent because I, I do respect Jalen Daniels. I think he's going to be a, a certain, he's going to be a pest. I mean, he was maybe the most popular player in college football for the first six weeks. I mean, people were jumping on the KU bandwagon because of Jalen Daniels and how electric he can be. But just when it comes to a passing quarterback, I got to go with Dylan Gabriel. The only issue with Dylan Gabriel, in my opinion, outside of his elite arm, he can make NFL throws, is that he's not the most clutch in clutch situations. Oklahoma lost some close games last year where the offense couldn't get it done. Defense as well had its issues. And I think Dylan Gabriel, when it comes to the offense, I think he'll take the issues, but it wasn't always on on, on him. But the offense did have time struggling in clutch situations. If Dylan Gabriel gets over that hump, Oklahoma turns from a six-win team into a, a, a lot more wins probably if they can just get over the hump and win the close games. Dylan Gabriel's got to be a part of that. But talent-wise, with the arm, and you know, it wasn't just me. If you look at the Big 12 numbers, kind of adds up like Jason Bean was the better quarterback in Big 12 play. I mean, a fourth of Jalen Daniels' numbers were in a bowl game where there was no defense. And he threw for like five touchdowns. Right. I'm not saying he, you know, in a way, yes, kind of inflated the numbers. But I got to go with Dylan Gabriel because of how elite he can be with his arm. Okay. Let's take a break. More of the game next. Yeah, going back to what I said before the break, uh, 
talking about Dylan Gabriel just needs to be more clutch down the stretch to win games for Oklahoma. Close losses, I mean, like crazy last year for Oklahoma. I mean, five of their seven losses last year were one score. And four of them were by three points. And Oklahoma comes short. Baylor, West Virginia, Texas Tech, the bowl game against Florida State. Lost by seven to the Wildcats, of course, a Gaylord family. That's Nebraska-esque. The close losses? Yes. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Scott Frost, shout to uh, the uh, always honorable, dishonorable mention. <laughs> I miss Scott Frost. <laughs> I'm going to miss him. I really am. I, d- I do. It's not going to be the same with Matt Rule at the helm. No. I mean, is Matt Rule going to he, – he likes to wear hoodies year-round. So – He's like a Bill Belichick hoodie guy. Great. Meanwhile, Scott Frost, if you wear a hoodie and it's 10 below and you're wearing a hoodie while you warm up, you're a punk. You need to toughen up. It's where it all started, baby. It's where it all started. I just needed that one quote, and it was on between me and Scott Frost. All right, we're back on the game. You know, speaking of former rival head coaches, I saw Elijah Drinkwitz from uh, Missouri was in the uh, the news today, I, and I didn't hear him speak yesterday at SEC Media Days, but he was brought up because of Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart with a great joke, just kind of poking fun at Elijah Drinkwitz because they're close. So Elijah, he had a 30-minute press conference. His opening remarks was 14 minutes. He filibustered. He's like, I don't want to answer questions. People are going to be like, hey, you going to be better here? you going to be better there? I'm not going to have an answer for him. I'm Elijah Drinkwitz. I'm just better at criticizing high school recruits that are going somewhere else. Kirby Smart was like, I brought a, uh, I brought a timer, going to set it at 10 minutes so I don't filibuster by, uh, like Elijah Drinkwitz. And I thought that was golden. Kind of called him out in a fun way that, hey, man, you took up half of the press conference just – talking he broke down like every he was like uh you know a running back we should be good wide receiver luther burden should be good feeling good about that offensive line defensive line has potential pause linebackers put on some weight Secondary, uh, they're fast. Just a bunch of nonsense. Really was. And I don't expect anything at last out of Elijah Drinkwitz. But another reason why I'm kind of on one today on Missouri, Big Game Boomer, if you've seen him on Twitter, puts out a lot of these rankings. And it's fun. I, I enjoy him. I enjoy a good ranking. Who doesn't? Well, today he ranked like, uh, you know, all the FBS teams. And, you know, who's that one opponent they don't want to admit that they're actually – Kind of dread and facing this year, whatever. I'm butchering that. They said K State's opponent is Missouri. I'm like, dude, I'm more worried about Troy than I am Missouri. Why would you be worried about me? Well, Troy, if you're anything like (laughs) Troy out of Alabama, which you are wearing red and black, I Uh, mentioned. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah, a little little silver in there, maybe some little gray, whatever color. It's more white, but uh, an M and M. Sure, and I'm not talking about the rapper. 
But if you're anything like that, Troy out of Alabama, uh, you probably have a pretty solid defense still. You're the uh, Sunbelt champs. Should have some pretty good talent coming into Manhattan, Kansas for the second game of the season. I think, yeah, second game, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the road trip to Mizzou still has Brady Cook, and I'm like, Jabroni threw two interceptions in a row. They brought in some other guy, two interceptions in a row. He's not on the team anymore, but I'm sure they replaced that Jabroni with another Jabroni. Running back still going to be lackluster. They're going to probably have Brady Cook run it 20 times just to try to get something going. And uh, the defense might be okay. Missouri will start out the year maybe with a win, and then K-State's going to go into Columbia and stop them. I'm not worried about Mizzou really at all. Unless they make an impression on me in the first two weeks that says, maybe I should take him more seriously. I just don't believe in Elijah Drinkwitz. They overpaid for this guy. The contract extension for a couple of years, and now they're going to pay him $6 million this year, $7 million the next year. Too much money for a guy that goes 500 And he's done it for three years now, 500 And what's even crazier is they gave him the extension like during the season. I'm like, what did he do to to get a contract extension? Like, do Woo, I, bowl do, game. Do I got to go back? Let me look at Mizzou's uh, schedule for 2022. Let me look that up. It was like, is there an upset in there somewhere that I'm missing that I don't remember? No, but, they played Georgia well for oh, a yeah, half. That's right, for a half. Well, then you know, Georgia's Georgia and won that game in the fourth quarter. Did forget about that one. You're right. Maybe I should give Dorkwitz more credit, but that was back in October. The extension came in, uh, I think it was right after the Tennessee game, which they lost 66-24, to but they did beat New Mexico State in the third-to-last game. They did beat Arkansas, another oh, 500 team. Rivalry game, yeah. 29-27, and then they lost to Lake Forest. In the, what else? They lost to Kentucky. They did beat a a five and seven Vanderbilt team. Did did beat a five and seven Vanderbilt team, and then don't forget they they, they beat Abilene Christian, thirty four seventeen. Beat Abilene Christian. Man, as I look at this uh, schedule, yeah, I'd pay I'd pay somebody a couple more million dollars next year to come back. And by the way, man, I'm really on one with Elijah Drinkwitz. I do not like this guy. Do not like him. And I think it's hilarious that Missouri, Missouri is so invested. The reason I don't like him is because it goes back to him mocking um, Avery Johnson on Twitter with a video. Uh, I forget his name, but they got a commitment from a wide receiver that Avery was on social media trying to recruit to come to K-State. I forget the name, but that's where it ties to. And then, by the way, who was calling the plays last year for the offense? Aliyah Drinkwitz. How are you so invested in a coach that's like, listen, I sucked at that, so I'm going to go hire a guy to call plays. And they get Kirby Moore, who's the uh, the younger brother of Kellen Moore, who used to be the, uh, the OC at Fresno State. Let's see, Fresno State 2022. I don't even know if they were any good. I think they were top 25. They were 10 and 4. All right. They won their division in the Mountain West. Not bad, but had to bring in a ringer to call plays because mm-hmm. he sucked at it. But we're going to give him more money. It just, Missouri 
is just boggling my mind on why they like this guy so much. At least, I mean, West Virginia is kind of a reminder of that as well. It's not, it's of course not the same story, but you know, Neil Brown is consistently like 500 at West Virginia, but they came out with a statement. It wasn't a uh, contract extension. It was like, listen, we're going to ride with this guy for another year. Which I'm going to grant them a little bit of grace there because it was a new athletic director coming in. He hasn't had time to truly assess the program, given the timing of when he took over that job. Eh, okay. I, I don't know. How long has Mizzou's AD been there? Longer than a year or two? Oh, yeah. But we're going to give him more money. It just, I'm glad they stuck with Elijah Drink. I'm glad they gave him more money. I'm glad he's going to be the coach again when K State plays him and plays Missouri in September. Go ahead. When you step back and think about, just like we were talking about a few moments ago, what you watch on TV now in the afternoons versus watching the reruns in the past, what are some things that millennials and Gen X had in their childhood that Gen Z doesn't have? What do you miss that maybe youngsters today don't get the chance to Hmm. take part in? What's the thing like everything that I growing up like Gen Z could do all that stuff too. I it's just you know the way the culture is now it just doesn't happen too much. Like playing outside with your friends. Doing stuff outside of school comes to mind. Um like music on MTV or VH1 mm-hmm. um Caring about concussions. Uh, or not caring about, I should say. Um, baggy clothes. That that That's one. I grew up in a baggy clothes phase. And now, shorts keep getting shorter. And I remember in my days, the shorts had to be below the knees. Yeah, and the, baggy. The like like basketball shorts, for instance. The State Farm ad with Chris Paul is actually an appropriate ad. But like from grade school and I mean almost through high school, like some sort of baggy clothes were in. But it went from like jeans to athletic shorts. Long and baggy. One of the things that came to mind having to make your plans as to when you were going to watch something or videotape it. Oh, that's something I'm glad we don't have to deal with anymore. That is technology that does develop well, and it's about time. Because you had to plan around what was on the tube. Well, the only, and the only problem was, like, it took a long time to finally tell my parents, like, you don't have to tape Survivor anymore. You can record it and watch it later without using a videotape. Just click a button on the thing, and you're good. <laughs> what about... And since then, the the, uh, the the VCR has been blinking midnight ever since. Yeah, right. 
What about actually having photos in your hand? In other words, getting prints back. Way easier to just have it on your phone. Swipe. But not to worry about losing into fire. Don't experience it anymore. We got to bounce. We got a full two hours tomorrow. Also, uh, coming up on Thursday will be our No Stone Unturned show. We're out. Cruise back tomorrow. For Troy, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.